Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Issues 2018. I'm Steve McIntosh. Our guest this week is Lon Smith, Chief Development Officer, Museum of World Treasures. Of course, that's located here in Wichita. Welcome, Lon, to Issues 2018. 18. Well, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How long have you been at the museum? I started back there in October of 2016. 2016? Yes. And we first became acquainted when you were at the Kansas Aviation Museum. Right. Tell us about your time there. Well, I was there just a little shy of eight years. And, uh, you know, we worked very hard. We got a lot done while I was there. The mechanical upgrade to the building and so forth really improved the facilities and move the museum forward. Uh, when I left there, you know, it was just time. It was my time to go. I think I'd, I'd accomplished what I wanted to, to accomplish, the goals I'd set for myself, and uh, just needed a change. What had you done before that? Well, I was actually at the Museum of World Treasures for three years. Is that how years. you got here in Wichita? It is. Well, you I got... Are, you're actually from Missouri, aren't you? I'm from St. Louis area. Yeah. I'm actually from Illinois on the east oh, side. Okay. But yeah, St. Louis area. I got here actually because my wife is a Kansan. You know how that goes. Yeah. She wanted to be back closer to family. So here we came, and, and I got the job at the Museum of World Treasures and then on over the Kansas Aviation Museum. And then, you know, I always loved the Museum of World Treasures, and I missed it, uh, so I went back. How does one uh, train or educate themselves to be a, a museum person? Well, it, you know, there's a number of, yeah. <laughs> I know, you, I know you, you, you've, dab you've dabbled a lot in showbiz, done some, some stuff like that. Yeah. How did you get in the museum business? Well, you know, for me, it all started when I was a baby. Um, it, back in Madison County, Illinois, the most litigious county in the, in the country, as a matter of fact, um, in the county seat, my mother was the curator at the County Historic Museum. And uh, I was a little toddler, and she was putting in an exhibit one day with some volunteers. And uh, there's a guy that grew up in that area by the name of Robert Wadlow, the tallest man who ever lived. Yeah. Yep. World's tallest man. Tall, world's tallest man. Yeah. He factored into my radio show, if you remember. Yeah. And uh, his, they had his boot there. It was, well, people can't see my hands, but it was a very, very large boot. Yeah. And uh, they couldn't find me. And lo and behold, I had crawled into that boot and fallen asleep. <laughs> and that was, so that's my beginning in museums. In the boot of the world's biggest man. Yes. And so I've been around. St. Louis is, uh, I, I'm reading uh, Ron Chernow's. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant by Yes, yeah. Grant's well, there's Farm. A, there's a big book. Mm -hmm. But uh, he uh, actually lived around that area for quite a while. He did. He had a, a the big family farm there uh, following following the, the Civil War. And, um, yeah, he factors in, into history there in oh, a pretty yeah. big way. I think his wife's family is from there, too. Mm -hmm. Now, the Museum World Treasures, I'm, yeah. as opposed to the Kansas Aviation Museum, right. you have a good location. We do. You know, the, KV, the Aviation Museum, doggone it, is just kind of a tough spot. It's right? rough. But it is rough. It's a neat place because of its history. The but. history is amazing, but it's it's just it's not the kind of place you just happen by. Yeah. You know. Whereas at the Museum of World Treasures, people happen by there all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so down there in Old Town. In right? Old Town, right, right across from River City Brewery. How many uh, how many guests did you entertain now? 
Well, this year, or I should say in 2017, we got right up around 45,000, which represents about a 4 to 5% increase over the previous year. And we experienced that about every year, about a 4 to 5% increase. This year, we're hoping for a more dramatic increase due to a number of things we can talk about as we move along. Okay, yeah. What do, uh, what do visitors generally say about the museum after they've gone through it? People love the diversity of the collection. You know, they love to come there, and we remain for the past eight or nine years the number one pick on uh, TripAdvisor uh, among museums in Wichita. And I think it's because, it's true, it's a fact, um, number four among all attractions. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's true because when people come there, there's a little bit of something for everyone. You know, it's just such a diverse collection. Some people have called it the mini Smithsonian of the Midwest. I don't want to overstate who we are, what we do, but it does have that feel, a sort of a very eclectic, uh, mixed collection of artifacts that, that does appeal to a, a wide audience. Now, give us a little history of the Museum of World Treasures. Okay. So we found- start? Where did it start? Right. Yeah. It was founded in 2001. It's kind of a funny story, and I'll, I'll give the Reader's Digest version, but John and Lorna Kardatsky, John Kardatsky is a local physician and, and his wife, Lorna, they had all these artifacts, a couple of thousand artifacts in their basement. And there was a big flood behind their house one night, and they had luckily got everything upstairs just in time. And Lorna said, that's it. We're starting a museum. We're getting this stuff out of here. And so they founded the museum, started over at the, the uh, Garvey Center, and then in 2003 or four moved to the current facility. And uh, because I know John and Lorna, I know that Lorna is in charge. <laughs> well, she doesn't say much, but yeah. you know she's in charge. Yeah, and you know John was diagnosed with Alzheimer's about five years ago, and you know sadly has progressed, and um, he he doesn't he doesn't remember mm-hmm. um, the museum, which is sad because you know it really was his brainchild, and so we started with a couple of thousand artifacts. We're now up to about twelve or fourteen thousand artifacts, and we own about seventy five percent of the collection. And again, uh, I spent a lot of time with John and Lorna. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> good people. Good people. Good people. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, how would you describe then your collection there? Well, again, it's, it's, it really is very eclectic. So if for those who haven't been there before, you know, you're going to see world-class um, paleontological specimens. We have a, a T-Rex specimen that's ranked in the top 10 in the, in the world in terms of the volume of bones or the number of bones or uh, fossils, I should say, and the quality of the presentation. And then we've got ancient civilization artifacts from all over the globe, uh, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, Etruscan, Mesopotamian. We have a rock and mineral collection, gem and mineral, mineral collection that's, that's really attractive. Um, fossils from Kansas. You know, most people don't know Kansas was underwater during those eras. So when you find things here in Kansas that are from the same era as T-Rexes, they're usually fishes or some kind of reptile. Now, how do you organize all that? Are just sections oh, then? You yeah. go from one to the next? Yeah, it's tough. It are is you, tough. Are you just on one floor? I, I don't think we're, I've, we're I've been th- in there. We're three floors. Three floors. Three okay. floors, yeah. So we have so all... how long do you think it takes to go through there on a, uh, for an average person? Well, you know, it really depends on how you want to look at a museum. Okay. And for people who like to just kind of breeze through and look at the stuff... Um, you know, they, they might be able to get through in an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, I'd go through on roller skates, but uh, yeah. that's, and that you found something that you're really interested in, right? Yeah. Then you stop. For people who want to <laughs> read, read a lot, you know, it's going to take three, four hours. Yeah. 
Um, we know from museum studies that only about 20% of the people who come to museums like to read anything. So the average person just wants to kind of breeze through and go, wow, cool dinosaur, really neat mummies. We do have five Egyptian mummies, three uh, non-human and two human. And then when you move up to the second floor, we have mainly three kinds of exhibits, uh, militaria from the revolution through the Vietnam era, um, signatures of every president on original documents, and then signatures of many royal figures along with artifacts from you know, the Middle e- medieval period, the Renaissance period, and so forth, and later. Um, you know, we have s- signatures of, you know, Marie Antoinette and so Henry did, VIII. And, Lon, how did John find all this stuff? Did he just, did he network with people? Uh, well, again, uh, at this point, a pretty small proportion of the artifacts that are there actually be- were part of the Kardatsky collection. It's grown over there. It's grown yeah. so much, you know. Yeah. But we work with about 140 different collectors, Quite often, they will loan artifacts initially and then later make the decision to donate those artifacts to the museum. Uh, some are on permanent loan, like the section of Berlin Wall that we have. We'll, we'll likely never own that, but um, it, the people who do own it don't really have a place for it, so it's going to stay there for a They're long communists, time. They're communists, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Well, it's actually owned by the American Overseas School uh, okay. yeah, li- <laughs> Library here. In, so. Oh, I want to talk for just a little bit, focus a little bit on uh, the exhibits of nature, including the fossils. Mm. Tell, tell me about the dinosaurs, bones, and things like that. Well, you're, you know, there you're getting into an area that I don't have a whole lot of expertise. I mean, I can tell you a few things about it. Like the T-Rex, for instance. Um, everybody knows what that is. Everybody knows That's what the T-Rex is. It's a great big ugly guy. It's a great big ugly you guy. got one of those. It's like 38 feet from nose to tail. Really? Yeah. I actually helped assemble it when it came in in 2007, which was very much uh, very exciting, a lot of fun. But it's uh, it was found in what's known as the Hell Creek Formation, which is in you know kind of southwestern South Dakota. Oh yeah, and it yeah. was it was named it's named Ivan because it was found on a ranch owned by a gentleman named Ivan, Ivan. and there he's been here several times to see the dinosaur. So. Yeah. When you were putting that together, did you feel a little bit like you were Fred Flintstone and you wanted to <laughs> scurry away? <or>? Flintstone. <laughs> the Flint. um, yeah. I, <laughs> other, but you have other dinosaurs as well. Right? We do. We have a Displetosaurus, which is a plant eater, and an Edmon, or I'm sorry, um, an Edmontosaurus, which is a plant eater, and then a Displetosaurus, which is an older um, relative of the T Rex, and they look very similar, but the Displetosaurus is much smaller. Than the T-Rex. Yeah, I don't know much about dinosaurs, except I know the, the brontosaurus is that one that's about yeah, it's uh, very a block big. and a half long. You don't right. have one of those. You no, we don't have, have room those. in there. Mm-mm. We have like a that. triceratops skull. Uh, we have right. a pteranodon, which is a type of uh, flying, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and now you've tapped about every bit of information I have about dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, yeah. Yeah, that's not my area. My area of personal expertise. You don't, you don't have a, uh, you don't have Barney and, and Barney Rubble and Will we don't. Yeah, you know, Fred and no. Barney aren't down there. You I'm know. sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> that's okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, my area of historic expertise is the is the founding era from political and social history from about 1760 to 1820. And we'll get into that in just yeah. a minute. But first, I want to say that you're listening to issues. 2018 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Lon Smith, Chief Development Officer, Museum of World Treasures here in Wichita. Uh, privately owned museum? Do you receive mm. any funding beyond ticket sales, anything like that? It is not pri- privately owned. Okay. It's, it is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation re- registered with the state of Kansas. Um, we, you know, donations to the museum are tax deductible. We'll put put that little plug in if anybody okay. wants to do that. Sure. Um we are funded, though privately funded, by, 
by and large. So about 70% of our annual income comes from earned income, like ticket sales and rental events and that sort of thing, tours. And then the balance comes from um, mostly from contributions, but some grants. We were part of the cultural arts funding program through the city of Wichita, and we get a small grant from the city. Our um, our rent is forgiven by the city, so that represents about that six, helps. yeah, yeah. it's about sixty thousand dollars a year. Do you entertain large groups? We do students. Do you like, have any students? You're talking about like rental groups, or do we? Oh, I don't know. I mean, or, people want to take a tour, and they come in in great big buses. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Absolutely. We have about oh, on average about seven or eight thousand students a year. Mostly grade school students, but some high school and junior high. Um, Listen to me, junior high. That's yeah. middle school. <laughs> middle school, yeah. So when you come in on, on a student basis like that, do they want to focus, say, science class, and they're going to see the fossils, and maybe history, they're going somewhere else? It really depends. I mean, yeah. we have sort of a, some schools come in, and it's just, okay, this is a reward for doing well in class. So just have thing. fun. We just do a general tour kind of thing. Yeah. Some teachers want to focus that in certain areas, and we can certainly do that. We also usually include a hands-on activity with every tour. So they'll do something, mm-hmm. you know, sit down and do some activity. I bet you entertained, uh, you've entertained people from all over the world, haven't you? Really, it's easier. We, we do. We have. It, it, there's a map up in our lobby that shows and people put pins, you know, when they're from whatever, Afghanistan or yeah. wherever it might be. It's easier to count the countries that aren't represented than it is the ones that are. Really getting crowded. Then. Yeah, up it is. The map. Yep. Now, you show war artifacts. Tell us about, uh, for a minute, about Civil War exhibits. I'm into Civil War. Yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. So, I talked about U.S. Grant a minute ago, so, you know. Yeah. Civil War, um, we have really an interesting collection, and we have a, a couple of collectors who, um, who feed that collection really every year, and some really interesting stuff. Um, a lot of weaponry, as you might expect, um, but clothing from the era, uniforms, um, Different different things. Kind of a funny story. We have a diorama there, so there's a kind of a plexiglass wall, and there's a tent, and there's a table there with a with a mannequin sitting at it, dressed in a Civil War, right. and that was put in in the very beginning, back in 2003, and recently we had to take it down to put new carpeting in. So we took it down, and it was an opportunity to really examine those artifacts. So the guy was sitting at a table, eating supposedly eating a meal, had yeah. utensils there. And there was a, a, a number of things sitting on the table. One of those, as it turns out, we found was used for proctological exams. <laughs> so, what Recent, exactly? Recently or during Well, the, you know, back war. in the Civil War era, but <laughs> probably not the thing you'd have at your table at your when you're table. eating. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How about World War I? What have you got from World War I? Well, we have a, a representation of a, a World War I trench. And when people walk through, they get a sense of, you know, they'd put boards in the bottom of the trench. They were called duck boards. And the reason they did that is because then, you know, imagine you're sitting there and around the corner in a, in a trench on the other side, you suddenly hear these duck boards squeaking. Mm-hmm. Now, it may be a friend, but then again, it may be a foe. So it was a warning signal. So we have a really neat representation of a, a World War I trench, and that's the main attraction there in that exhibit. Uh, how about World War II? World War II is extensive. Um, one of the things I like the most about that exhibit is the the propaganda that was used in World War II. Some of the you know the the advertisements that were produced by uh, the Nazi regime, and, but even here at home, we were good at it too. We were good at it too. <laughs> we were. We had to convince people to be involved in that war. 
How about interesting documents? Tell me about documents you've got. Well, one of the most interesting, you may have heard this story last summer, uh, and I'll tell, tell this quickly, but um, National Public Radio, every year, they put together a collection of famous people, and they record the, the uh, Declaration of Independence and then play it back on the 4th of July. Right, right. Well, this past year, um, they decided, in addition to playing it back, they would also tweet the Declaration of Independence with the you know, popularity of Twitter. And so they started in, and at 140 characters um, a, a pop, you can imagine it took quite a few well, about yeah. halfway through that, some people so ignorant of what the Declaration actually says, instead of it you know, calling for the overthrow of the English government, thought they were calling for our own government to be overthrown and, and for Donald Trump to be thrown out of office and began tweeting things like, we're going to come down there with guns and <laughs> blow you up and all this, these things. Uh. The reason I mention that is we have an original copy of the Declaration of Independence. In 1844, they made 200 copies from the original. They took that and moistened it, made an impression on a copper plate. You could do that then. Etched okay. it, mm-hmm, yeah. and then made 200 copies. And we have one of those, and I, th- I want to say there's only 33 of those known to exist, and we have one there at the Museum of World Treasures. Wow. Great opportunity to be able to teach young people and some adults. who are Many a, adults. Many adults. Um, <laughs> You know, what the Declaration is really all about. Tell me about your sculptures. Well, we have a number of sculptures uh, from the Roman era, um, primarily. We have a a full-sized Roman sculpture, along with many other pieces that really be classified as art, even though they may have been functional. All the Greek pottery, we have a a number of paintings, we have etchings, all kinds of things. We we actually have a bas-relief that we commissioned from Bruno Lucchese, who's a famous, famous sculptor. Um, you know, he has, as an example, he's done big doors on cathedrals in Europe. Oh, okay. That kind yeah. of thing. Like, this yeah. is a pretty famous guy. And <clears throat> you were talking, I interrupted you earlier. You, your, your expertise is in what area again? Um, social political history from about 1760 to 1820 okay. or so. Yeah. So the highlights there would be? The war stuff. But well, I mean, you know, one of the things I always like to point out is, and with the popularity of the musical Hamilton, you know, most people weren't too familiar with Hamilton as a founder before that musical. And now, you know, virtually everyone is. Yeah, there was a big Hamilton, Hamilton mania going on. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we have a coat that was owned and worn by, commissioned to be made by Alexander Hamilton. We have the provenance on that going all the way back to his family. Did he own it? He owned it and, he, owned and he wore it. And... Basically, I would say it's not a very big garment because no. I think he was about 5'7". He was about 140. Not a, not a big man. Yeah, it wasn't a big guy. People in, in general were a little smaller back then. Yeah. But, but yeah, we have that jacket there. So, again, another rich opportunity to, to, to then you know, spin off and talk about the life of Hamilton, the founders, and some of the things you know, they what's did. What's interesting, Lon, when, when I visited the uh, battlefield, uh, the Custer uh, museum and battle. Have oh, you been yeah, up yeah. to that? I have. I was it, the the garments that Custer wore mm-hmm. were, were really interesting to me. I didn't I didn't think I, they it's would. It's true. Be. And speaking of garments that Custer wore, yeah. We have um and we do have the provenance on this. We have a pair of long johns worn by Custer. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, kind of a weird thing. We have well, Custer, yeah, but Custer's underwear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now, uh you talked about rental events. What are rental events exactly? Well, we have a facility there that seats, oh, very comfortably about 150, but up to maybe 180, 190. 
And people rent that facility for various reasons, maybe a wedding reception or corporate event or retreat, what, what have you. And, you know, it's a very unique opportunity. You know, there's a lot of spaces you can go in town and you can rent a space. Yeah. And, and they're very, very nice. Um, at the Museum of World Treasures, you can rent a space. But while you're there, your guests can also look at the museum. In addition to that, we have this amazing children's activity center. And so, like, if you're having a wedding reception, there's a lot of kids there. gives the kids something to do besides say, hey, mom, I'm bored. Uh, really? So, yeah, yeah, really nice place to have, a, have an event. Um, so you, you, you do that. Do you do any fundraisers during the year? We do. Special fundraisers? We do. We have an annual gala uh, fundraiser. This year it's in July. Don't ask me the exact date. I can't remember, but um, people can go to our website and get that information. Sure. But it, anyway, it's, this year it's Rome meets Hollywood, a toga party. <laughs> okay. So we'll have... All kinds of information around the museum about treatments that Hollywood has made of Rome, everything from Ben Hur to Animal House. Oh yeah, and everything in between. So how Hollywood, and we have some artifacts that are representative of that era, the Hollywood era, the golden era of, of Hollywood, okay. I guess. So. So you've got you've got Custer's underwear. Custer's underwear. Just, you know, if, if I ever become really famous, yeah, I would be more than happy to uh, donate some of my utrell. Oh, but we, we would love that. We would love that. Yeah. Here is Here they are. Steve McIntosh's boxer briefs. All right, that's enough of that. Now, uh, tell me, uh, anything new and exciting that's going on down there? Uh, yes. Got some big plans? Tell me. Um, we just opened on December 15th our, well, it's called Ivan's Playhouse. It's a children's activity center. This thing is really amazing, and, and it's very personal to me because – my wife, who is a commercial interior designer, and I designed the thing, and we built it. So we spent a couple, 300 hours down there, weekends and evenings, over five or six weeks, building out this whole thing. It has a, a little theater with four different backdrops and all the costumes that go with it and little scripts that the, the families can portray. Uh, that includes uh, Middle e- medieval era, Rome, um, the Old West, and Egypt. Then it has a treehouse. The kids can go in and out. There's secret passages and all kinds of stuff. There's a puppet theater as well. There's a Lego wall, a chalkboard wall, a whiteboard wall. There's activities of all kinds there. It's really a fun place. We encourage homeschool families to come there. We have free Wi-Fi, and they can use it like a classroom. They can bring their laptops, their iPads, whatever, do some work on their schoolwork, take a break, have a, you know, go see exhibits, so on and so forth. Now. Pull out your soapbox and get up on it and tell yeah. me, tell me, how important is history? Most people just don't you know, know anything about it. But you and I, we're into it way up to here. I know. <laughs> well, we're in the era of of you know STEM, science, technology, engineering, yeah, yeah, math. Yeah. And please don't anyone misconstrue me, um, you know, saying that that's not important. All it those is. things are important, um, but included in that should be art and history. And I think we've kind of set those aside a little bit, which is sad. I mean, history is so important because we can learn from that. And as people oft are off to say, we can possibly avoid mistakes in the future that have already been made in the past. I see it. That's the importance of history. It is. It's incredibly important. So if you, if you could do anything else in the world, I, I know you would like to be a stage actor, but is there anything <laughs> else you'd rather be than being the... Uh, being down there at the Museum of World Treasures right now? Um, independently wealthy. 
Oh, well, I think many of us have that. Desire. Yeah, right. All right, so you're going to stay a while and have a good time down there? Oh, yeah. Entertaining folks? Oh, it's fun stuff, yeah. Right. Well, listen, we, we want to thank you, Lon, for being with us here good on the Issue Show. And it's always good to talk to you because uh, if you, you know a lot, and it's always fun to talk to somebody who, who is into history. So uh, thank you again for spending some time with us here on the Issue Show, Lon. It's good to be here. Thanks so much for having it's me. It's always good to see you here on uh, the Intercom Stations. Our guest, Lon Smith. Chief Development Officer, Museum of World Treasures, and it's right there in Old Town in Wichita. Mm -hmm. That's all for this edition of Issues 2018. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.